What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online podcast. Zach Albaverde, Nick Del Torre here, live from Spurs Gridiron Grill. We will be joined this week by the new voice of the Gators, Sean Kelly. That hire was made official on Wednesday, and now we get to hear from the man himself today. Uh, one of 180 applicants, Nick, mm. and uh, he got the job. Yeah, it uh, only the fourth voice of the Gators in, in program history. Um, and what a week for him. He was just in, in Fenway for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I was super excited about that. He called a, a combined no hitter uh, a couple weeks ago, and and now you're the new voice of the Gators. So uh, a whirlwind week for for yeah, Sean yeah. Kelly, and, and we're excited to have him on. Uh, just days after the news breaks yeah absolutely just to to get his thoughts on this job process what it means for him to get this position and obviously his history in broadcasting and some of the things that he's been this is not a new role for him he was uh the voice of the pelicans back when they were the pelicans and also uh served as the voice of the Tulane wave back in the day so uh, called uh he was on the call for florida miami at camping camping world stadium yes interestingly enough when he started working for ESPN Radio, his first job assignment, as Nick just mentioned, was covering a Florida football game. And now in his new job, his first job assignment will be covering a Florida football game. Uh, <laughs> Many. Yes. <laughs> Many yes. football games. Uh, so obviously looking forward to, to hearing from him. We got to see some recruiting action from the Gators uh, this, this week. Big July 4th fireworks from TJ Searcy mm-hmm. as he makes a surprise pledge to Florida. No doubt about it. A top 50 prospect that I don't think many people had pegged to the Gators. I think most saw him going to South Carolina. So a really good, a big get for this staff and Mike uh, Peterson specifically, Mm -hmm. who served as his primary recruiter. So some more commits potentially coming as well. This is going to be a busy month in terms of decisions. Nick and I will get into that in the second segment, but I think that commitment, Nick on July 4th, nonetheless, I think was, was good timing for the Gators. Just, they had a great week in terms of three straight top, 300 commits uh, and then some other guys decide to go elsewhere and and you know how it is man it's what have you done for me lately Th- that momentum kind of gets offset by some of the misses yeah and and i almost wonder if um because like like you said like the, a lot of people were talking about oh it's a messy week this and that and i'm like that's a nice mess to have if you're getting <laughs> if you're getting three you know four star commits um and i almost wonder and i haven't like fully fleshed this thought out in my head yet is it almost, Do it now. It almost feels like Billy Napier is is like the sins of the father are are being held against the son. It's like the people remember the last three coaches and they're holding the stuff that the last three coaches did against Billy Napier. And, and listen, you're going to need results. And, and I don't think those results need to come in July. I think yeah. those results need to come uh, in, in September, in, in October and November. Um, you need to win football games. Sure, you absolutely need to recruit. If it's recruit or die, especially in the SEC, you could have a top 10 class in the country and be fourth in your conference, yeah. fifth in your conference, and that's not going to be good enough. So you do need to recruit. I just think that, or, or maybe I have the opinion that I think some of the past coaching blunders are being held against him, almost like um, fans have like PTSD. PTSD. That's exactly and, what and, I was going to say. I'm like, hey, I just like give him some time to work, um, let NIL figure itself out. But um, I think they're doing a good job recruiting um, right now. Obviously there's some big misses like the Tony Mitchell and stuff like that. But like you said last week, those are out of state kids. Like yeah. you need to keep these in-state kids. Uh, what, what does Billy say? Like six hours from yeah, Gainesville? That, that radius. And, and they're not going to keep all of them. No, by the you're, way, you're not, <laughs> not all the top 
Sunshine State prospects in the 2023 cycle are going to end up at UF. That's just the reality of all the talent in this state and that they're going to go to different places. And look, call it like it is. I mean, Miami's, they're doing well right now. Yeah. Um, Florida State even has had a good streak. But I think for Florida fans, sometimes, you know, you focus so much on the negative or you focus on some of the guys that don't end up in the class. But it's not like they're striking out across the board. Um, and I think for them to be where they're at at this point in the cycle for a bump class, and you look at what history shows, and I did see somebody point out um, that, that maybe we shouldn't compare, you know, where Billy's at to previous track records, but that is the comparison point mm-hmm. that we have. And uh, the fact of the matter is that at nine commitments, he has more than three of the previous four coaches um, after the month of June uh, in his bump cycle before they've coached a game. So the only guy that had more was Will Muschamp with 10. So it's it's not like, you know, he's on pace with pretty much where everyone else was. And those coaches actually recruited pretty well um, in, in their first cycles. Obviously, Urban Meyer recruited really well in that 2006 cycle. But we mentioned it last week. I'll mention it again because I got asked on the Chuck Oliver show this week about you know, Billy not getting enough wins this offseason, and that's obviously alluding to on the recruiting trail. And like you said, I mean, the only wins that matter are the wins that happen on the football field. Now, that stemmed from what you win on the recruiting trail, but as Dexter pointed out last week on Twitter, and I think we saw this week that he said he's taking a break from the Bird app, um, but he said to fans that were you know, kind of worried about Florida recruiting or tweeting about it, and he, he responded to some and said, hey, recruiting is all about winning games. And if, if you, they're able to do that, especially out of the gate early in this 2022 season, that's going to help recruiting. Anthony Richardson having a really special year is going to help quarterback recruiting specifically. So um, we'll get more into the recruiting talk in the second segment. We'll discuss some of the other news that we've seen uh, this past week. A lot of coaching contracts that, that, that came out as well and, and, and some of the things of that nature. But we're going to talk to the newest UAA employee after this break. Sean Kelly, the new voice of the Gators, will be right back. Hi, Steve Spurrier here. You know, making a reservation at my restaurant is easier than a Saturday afternoon homecoming game against Vandy. You don't have to call or email. Just go to Spurriers.com, hit the reservation button, pick a date, number of guests, and a time. It's so simple, I can do it. In fact, I just did. Maybe I'll see you tonight. Welcome back into the Gators Online podcast, and we are now joined by our guest of the week, new voice of the Gators, Sean Kelly. Sean, appreciate you joining us today, bud. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. and welcome to Gator Nation. Absolutely. The the welcome has been warm and frequent, and that's been really special. It really has. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Well, we're looking forward to getting to know you today. Obviously, let our listeners get to know you as well. Um, before we get into this this job process and, and, and what it meant for you to land this job. Just let folks a little bit uh, know a little bit about kind of your background and, and how you even got into broadcasting, kind of what led you down this path. Well, I grew up in St. Louis and, um, you know, lifelong Cardinals fan. And it's a, it's a town where sports broadcasters are long tenured and legendary. So, uh, you know, Jack Buck is probably one of my greatest influences and and when you grow up in a town like that, where the team is a part of the community as much as, you know, the St. Louis Arch, uh, you can't help but be surrounded by it. And 
to watch those broadcasters, not just broadcast the games, but, you know, be ambassadors of the organization and, and pillars of their community. All those things kind of inspired me. And um, I, I went to college and, and declared myself a finance major that lasted one semester. Uh, and then I just <laughs> said, okay, obviously you are not good at math. Um, so just go do what you want to do and, and what you're going to love. And, and that's where it started. And so, you know, I guess pretty much from that point on, I started to really be mentored and brought along by um, the voices of universities and what those what those guys meant to those institutions. And and that kind of was my dream. Now, along the way, between then and our visit today, you know, I've had chunks of that and different periods where I've been sort of that thing, you know, but never really quite like what what's going to happen here at Florida. Yeah. And, and I listened to an interview that, that you had yesterday and, and and you talked about how this kind of checked all the boxes for you in, in terms of maybe what you were always looking for once you got into this career. Obviously, you've been the voice of, the, of a team before and yeah. the voice of a professional team. What's it like, though, being able to come into SEC country and, and, and be the voice of the Gators? Well, it's it's it as you said, it kind of checks a lot of boxes. But really, I think if I look back, the best times in my career have been you know, A, when I've been a part of a team, you're a part of that team's journey. Um, you're an ambassador in a lot of ways. You get to wear the team colors. Your broadcast is slanted toward that fan base. So if I'm look, looking back at some of, I guess, my favorite memories, you know, it's of those things and, and in those environments. Now, don't get me wrong. The last three years at ESPN have been great. Um, I've gotten to broadcast from iconic locations and you know, the, the name brands and the name brands when it comes to teams. And so all those things have factored in, but to finally put it all into one package here and be able to really get my arms around moving to a place. And, and that's where I want to be for the next 20 to 25 years. Um, that's why all of a sudden I started really stepping through the doors that were flying open with regard to the Florida <laughs> job. And you just, you just kind of hope, and, and I don't want to get too much into the business here, but you just kind of hope that you're always progressing and you're always able to kind of maintain, I guess, the level where you are. And, that, and, you know, just to be blunt, that means financially, that means quality of life for your family, yeah, all those things. And so when you combine all that, you know, Florida just started to make a really uh, made a lot of sense. And sure enough, as the process progressed, you, you meet a guy like Scott Strickland and Steve McLean and Billy Napier and Todd Golden. And, and you start to figure out that, you know, not only is it a great place, but there are great people there too, that you're going to share that journey with. What, uh, I guess a little bit of the business, but how does, I think we were all a little bit caught off guard by Mick Hubert, um, re retiring in the business. How does, cause it, there were a lot of people that applied for the job yourself included. How does it even come about? Like, what, was it a surprise that when Mick stepped down and, and when do you start thinking, could I do this? <laughs> Well, yes, I think it was a surprise. I mean, we're talking about a guy that, yes, he'd been there for 33 years, but, you know, look, it's just a fact of life. At some point in your career, your life, you kind of start to lose your fastball a little bit. And that was not the case with Mick Hubert. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. still sounded great, you know, on the moment, punching the calls, all those things. I thought, I think, and I don't want to overspeak here, I think it caught Florida by surprise a little bit. Um, but I also am respectful that in anyone's given life, there comes a moment where either change is needed or maybe you've had enough or um, next chapter. What's that next chapter? Sure. And and I think, and I haven't, 
I, I just got mixed number today. So I'm, I'm really eager to talk to him, but you know, perhaps in, in mixed case, it, it was next chapter, you know, something, something changed life-wise that, Hey, I've had a great run. I want to kind of go out on top here and I want to enjoy my own schedule, you know, the rest of the way. And that could very well be the case. I'm not trying to speak for Mick, but yes, I think it was a big surprise at Florida. I think it was a big surprise in our business. And I remember seeing the news because again, it kind of came abruptly and, um, I admire Mick for not wanting to kind of do the farewell tour, the rocking chair tour. Yeah. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like Mick came out and said, um, Hey, next year is going to be my last year. And, and he would have been within it with every right mm-hmm. to do that. And it would have been a great celebration of a legendary career, you know, all throughout these next couple of sports seasons at, at Florida and in the sec. So I saw the news. I was just, I was happy for him because it sure looked like he was on his own terms. That that's what all of us, I think, hope for at the end yeah. of the day. Um, and I, and I didn't give it too much thought beyond that. I was in the middle of the NBA playoffs, which is really a grind um, for ESPN radio. And um, I was, it, I was starting negotiations with ESPN for my next contract. So wow. that's kind of where my head was. And then I got a phone call <laughs> and it was, Hey, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but Mick Hubert retired. Would you kind of have any interest in this? And I've, I've never said no in my career, but yet again, I, I had interest, but again, I wasn't, I didn't go running after it, I guess at first. Sure. And sure. so when it was brought to my attention and asked if I would have some interest, I kind of dipped the toe in the water and then, you know, the foot is in the water and I'm kind of splashing around. Next thing you know, I'm up to my waist and it felt great, <laughs> and, you know? And so, yeah, it just kind of progressed from there. And then obviously being able to have the, those conversations with Scott Strickland, with Billy Napier, um, Todd Golden, how did that kind of help you along the process to, to obviously decide that this was right for your next chapter uh, and obviously that you were the right guy for them? Yeah, and it wasn't necessarily that, you know, there are two new head coaches, although I think it's awfully exciting that I get to come in here and do this job on the ground floor with those guys yeah. and watch them progress and, and build their programs in Florida. Um, certainly knowing Scott Strickland from afar, his journey. And, and I think the culture he's trying to build at Florida, all those things were very attractive. Um, but then you have to layer that on top of, you know, the traditions at Florida and this legacy of championship performances across all of their sports. Um, you know, sometimes maybe, and I, I don't, I don't put you in this category, but sometimes when you're in Gator nation and whatnot, you're it's, it's enveloping. You don't realize how other people see your program. Mm -hmm. And I want Florida to know that that's a worldwide brand. I mean, I, I travel all over the country. I see Gator gear everywhere. I mean, we're talking about a national brand and, and no slight to anybody else in the sec or in college sports. I probably could have counted off a handful of the most elite of the brands, if you will. And Mm -hmm. I probably don't even need all five fingers. So when it came to like, if there was ever a, Hey, would you leave ESPN for this? It was going to be a short list. Um, <laughs> and Florida, Florida's on that list. That's awesome. And and then obviously we mentioned your history. You, you've been voice of the teams before voice of the new Orleans uh, Pelicans voice of the Tulane wave. Um, those experiences, how did they kind of help shape you uh, as a broadcaster and in those roles? What did you look to capture as the voice of those teams and just serving those fan bases. Yeah. At certain spots, it would be pieces. Like when I was at 
Missouri. Yeah. Um, I was the play-by-play announcer for the baseball team. Okay. So um, I wasn't the voice of the Tigers. You know, I worked with Mike Kelly and uh, was working at the local radio station there and whatnot. So that was a piece. And then, you know, in 2002, I went to Tulane and that was kind of my first big break, if you will. So I was going to be the voice of the green wave and got to do football, basketball, and baseball. So that was kind of like that first um, job where it, you know, it started to check those boxes of being the voice of and, mm-hmm. and all that goes with it. But yet Tulane is one of those kind of Tulane versus the world type places. Yeah. It's in a major market that involves, you know, an iconic NFL franchise. Yep. NBA was come to town. LSU's right up the road. So, you know, it wasn't kind of the, the, the thing in town. The fanfare. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, I get to go to the NBA, another kind of weird turn in my career. Um, being the voice of an NBA team is a little bit different uh, than the all-inclusive college feel, if you will. Sure. Uh, and you were always going to be kind of second team to the New Orleans Saints. So mm-hmm. um, I got more of that taste of being the voice of a team and what, you know, what that means, you know, just the inner workings of it. Yeah. Outwardly, maybe not kind of there yet. So uh, did that for a long time. Got to work with the Saints, too, after uh, the Bensons bought the Pelicans. Uh, and then lo and behold, in, in 2019, I, I went full time to ESPN. And so when you're the national guy, you you kind of parachute in and, mm-hmm. you know, there's great benefits to it. Don't get me wrong. Just you can look at the list of games I got to do. And it's, you know, it's a dream, really. Yeah. Um, and, and, and a great thing is at the end of the game, you know, no matter how it goes, you, you just, you, know, you take your headsets off and you're like, all right, see you. And you walk out the door, right? Um, you don't have that investment in the team. Like, you know, the jubilation of a win or uh, we lost or we lost in a bad way. And now everybody's pissed off on the bus and the plane <laughs> ride home sucks and the food yeah. doesn't taste good, you know, all that. Um, so there were benefits to that. Don't get me wrong. But yet I still, I had done all these things. And I probably did all the things I wanted to do, just not all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so now I think with Florida, um, it's it's really kind of the realization of that dream and kind of all of it coming full circle into one package at a place where you've got a fan base that is <laughs> outrageously enthusiastic about yeah. the team and, and is widespread. So, yeah, I mean, when you start to think about those things and and not only that, but the the I guess the ability to perhaps unless I really screw up the job. You know, I don't think I'm going to be able to give Florida 33 years like Mick did, but uh, I want to give them a lot and, you know, 20 to 25 years, kind of a lot. And so you put all that together. And I, I hope that I, in a very long winded way, answered your question. Um, You touched on a little bit there. Um, It seems like you really enjoy being uh, part of that team's fabric. And I think the voice of the team very much is that, Um, but then if you're doing the national stuff, you're getting a new venue every week, a new storyline. It's, it's, it's fresh. What are some of the, the differences and the challenges, I guess, in, in both of those areas? Yeah. Well, you know, like for a national broadcast, you, you know, uh, I don't hate your team. Okay. Let's just start with that. <laughs> no, um, no, no. You hate, <laughs> no. you hate that both teams equally I hate <laughs> and the fans equal. will let you know. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. No, I get a lot of that. Um, actually I don't, some of my colleagues do for some yeah. reason I've kind of somehow avoided that, but Look, it's a very kind of straight down the middle. It's an objective thing. Mm-hmm. I've kind of just taken the, you know, I just used my team experience and applied it in a national way so that let's celebrate both sides equally. You know, yeah. maybe maybe at Florida, it's uh, kind of like this. But anyway, nationally, it's it's like this. Um, it is challenging bouncing in and out of 
uh, a team season or journey because you're kind of picking up in the middle and you're trying to sound uh, as knowledgeable as you can about the teams you're, you're broadcasting to an extent. I mean, I think it's understandable that, you know, like when I'm doing the Gators, we're going to have ongoing storylines. We'll be able to dig deeper into a player's story or a coach's process. Whereas, you know, during a national broadcast, there's not a whole lot of room for that. You're kind of skimming a little bit um, over some of that stuff. Um, but the prep is still daunting and it's new every week. Um, but yet the freshness is also, you know, uh, invigorating. You know, you've got, you've got new stuff, new stories to tell every week in, week out. Now in this transition, you know, back to, back to being a part of the team again, now you get to slant that broadcast a little bit more. Hmm. You don't have to be as objective as perhaps you were on a national broadcast and not saying I'm going to be an outrageous Homer. Um, there'll be no doubt that you'll be listening to a Florida broadcast. Um, but not every call is going to go against the Gators. I'm just, I'm, that's just my style. And, um, you know, not every opponent is to be disrespected certain ones, perhaps a little more than others, but, um, <laughs> You know, yeah, I think those, there's interesting. The fans will let you know which which universities those are that uh, <laughs> should should be disrespected. The fans will let you know very soon. Yeah, there's one about two hours away thereabouts, and then maybe yeah. another one across state lines that I'm kind of keen into right now. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, but the prep is different. You know, if you're looking at the nuts and bolts of this, um, I'm I'm going to be up to speed every week on Florida. There, I mean, there's no doubt, and um, I think. I'll have great relationships with those head coaches and, and be able to be a real good conduit between the program and the fan base at the same time. And then, um, you know, obviously I'll do more in conference stuff. Whereas before I was bouncing around big 10, PAC 12, sec, you know, all the way around. So I'll be more in tune, obviously with the members of the conference as well. And that's just a matter of just kind of redirecting your study a little bit and just, yeah. you know, figuring out how to prep best and, Thankfully, I have experience in doing that. And uh, so it's not all too new as far as making that transition. No doubt. We're talking with Sean Kelly, new voice of the Florida Gators. Final few things for you, uh, Sean. I want to talk some Gators now. Um, We mentioned in our first segment how when you started ESPN radio, your first assignment was a Florida football game. And and now it's your new job. Your first assignment is going to be a lot of Florida football games. Um, But one that you called recently... um, I think is a game that has a lot of Florida fans excited for this coming season. And that was the Florida LSU game in Baton Rouge because we really saw Anthony Richardson come to life. What was that like from your vantage point, calling that game and seeing this guy just absolutely uh, you know, change it? Well, let's start with him and then we'll talk about kind of the bigger picture, but you know, he's the kind of guy and I love going down on the field when guys are warming up. Um, just to, you know, it's a privilege to be able to do that. And I think you learn a lot about a player when, you know, shoulder pads are off, they're getting loose, they're going through their routine, that kind of a thing. And, you know, he's one of those guys that when you walk out and he's getting loose, you're like, whoa, okay. I mean, just the, the, he has that look, the off the bus look, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then you start watching him going through his throwing routine and you're like, okay, you can make that throw. You can make that throw. Wow. That was off balance. That was pretty darn good too. And then, and then finally, when you get to game speed, you start to realize what, what a weapon he is with his feet too. So we got to see a little taste of that. And frankly, I want to say, gosh, this is, this is bad that I'm having some memory problems. I want to say he was a little banged up in that game. And so I don't even feel All like year, I got really, this, 
Yeah, yeah I all year. Really feel like I got to see the full Anthony on the field. So I I saw enough to know that that guy is special, special. And look, just like most programs, the, the keys are in the quarterback's hands. How that guy goes, that team goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, in all the newness that's going to come around with this football team this fall, uh, I think we got a sure thing in um, in the quarterback. So. That's awesome. And then, you know, bigger picture, that game last year was so crazy because the wheels had already come off at LSU. And so O was on his way out. We kind of thought, oh, boy, this this could be a disaster. Um, like, Florida's going to come in here and mop the floor with these guys. It was a day game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, what we didn't know is that perhaps there were some wobbly wheels for the Gators as well. And uh, obviously, you know, things kind of snowballed. And that's why we've been talking about Billy Napier a little bit now at the helm. Well, lo and behold, it it ends up being one of those college football games where just when you think, you know, you don't really know. And so it had a kind of an oddball feel to it all day. Uh, The thing, the the game starts swinging back and forth like wildly. Yeah, shootout. Uh, And then, yeah, crazy shootout. And, And here, like, all of a sudden you're figuring out LSU's playing for this guy who's on the way out the door. Like they're like one for coach O type thing here. And Florida's trying to get their legs under them and they're, but they won't give up. Right. So they keep fighting through it. And then you end up having a wildly entertaining game. Now, did it go the right way? I'll leave that, you know, for those viewing and listening to decide, but um, yeah, it was just one of those moments that I find great about sports and my career and everything else. Again, just like what I said, just when you think, you know, you really don't. (laughs) It, uh, it's funny because I tell people all the time, they always ask, you know, um, what the job is like. And it's like, sometimes, you know, any job you have, uh, can get you down, you know, it becomes work. Um, but then you have moments like that where, you know, I'm sitting in the press box and you're just like, man, what is happening? This is really cool. Um, I I've had to delete my entire story and, and restart, but, but this is really cool to be here in person and watch this unfold. Yeah, no, I mean, like, Okay, what's going to happen at work today? I mean, yeah, <laughs> how, how crazy are we that we get blessed to to be in a business where every day is different. Every day at mm-hmm. work is different, and I'm a process guy, and I have I like having routines, and and I don't think I'm you know to the OCD level, but I, I like having things click along as as far as my preparation goes. But yet I'm in a business where when the green flag goes, you know who knows, and I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's pretty awesome. Now, look, I think sports gambling is now more prevalent than ever. And Mm -hmm. and so there are more people who like to prognosticate and and go that route. I get asked all the time now, I guess, in the recent years, you know, do I gamble on games? And I'm like, no way. They're like, they're like, but, you know, all all that can go into it. And I'm like, that's probably why I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you know even more, you're like, I ain't touching that. There's no (laughs) way. So. That's kind of the way I go about it. I'm I'm ready to be entertained and I'm ready to be surprised. All those things I think make the job great. And and obviously you're going to be entertaining a lot of Florida fans, Sean. And you mentioned earlier some of your influences. Can, can you talk about that some more and, and some of the guys that really had an impact on you? And and then specifically a little bit more to your style um, as the voice of the Gators and what fans can expect from you. Yeah, I you know I mentioned Jack Buck obviously, but then. You know, I was in school in Southern Illinois University, and Mike Reese is the voice of the Saluki, still is to this day. Mike Kelly at Missouri um, is at still at Missouri. So again, kind of like Mick that we were talking about earlier, 
the guys who have done this right, the guys that I like to style myself after or pattern, you know, what I believe the job to be, you know, I don't think it's any coincidence that they've been there for decades. Uh, you know, it's, it breeds longevity, it breeds relationship building and, and that cohesion with a fan base that sometimes crosses generations, which yeah. I think is extremely special. I've also been big on trying to find new mentors for the level, um, the level that I'm at in my career. So look, if those are my roots, then certainly at the NBA level, I've been blessed to have guys like Mike Breen and Ian Eagle as uh, real good coaches and dear friends. Um, Brian Anderson certainly is somebody that I lean on heavily right now. Uh, he also works multiple sports like I do, so we can discuss more than just basketball per se or just football. Um, I'm a big Kenny Albert fan too. I like Kenny and um, even Joe Buck to some extent. And I know Joe hmm. gets knocked around a little bit, but you know we're just a couple of years apart. We went to rival high schools. Um, and there's a certain way that Joe works that I kind of like, and I think you'll find with me is that it's somewhat understated. And again, he's working a television call. I'm working more of a radio call, but don't be afraid to close your mouth every once yeah. in a while and let the swamp and the crowd help tell the story for the listener, you know, get out of the way. Sometimes, uh, you know, big touchdown scored. I don't need to wrap up the whole drive before the guy, you know, hands the ball to the official. You know, just quiet down, let the crowd go crazy. Let, let, let a listener who can't see what I'm seeing, feel it at least. Mm. Um, and so maybe I'm a little Midwestern folksy, but I've been in the deep South long enough that I've got some deep South to the way I call it a game. And, um, I've just kind of grabbed those things as I've gone and, and tried to fit what fits me. I, I think we all steal things, uh, mm. styles or Far phrases. Out. Yeah. What's that? Borrow. Borrow. <laughs> borrow. Yeah. Rent, borrow something. Mm -hmm. Although if it's rent, then I have to actually pay the guy. Yeah, no, no, just borrow. <laughs> but I think I try to find just kind of my own way. Um, and I also like to really kind of um, fit my partner's style too, mm, a little bit. Yeah. Like a game I'll do with PJ Carlissimo is a different call than I'll do with Lee or um, Barrett Jones was my partner the last three years. God love an Alabama kid, but okay. Um, you know, and my calls probably will be different with Shane coming up too. Mm -hmm. So um, I like to be kind of, you know, coachable and movable, I guess, in that sense. That's what, awesome. What's your, uh, every sport is so different. And I think I've always said like hockey play by play to me is probably the hardest just because how many different ways can you say pass? Um, uh, I think baseball is also really difficult because you're filling a lot of dead time. Um, what's your favorite sport to call and maybe why? I don't have a particular favorite. I've been asked this, you know, quite a bit, and sure. so, you know, I'll go ahead and say it just like, you know, it's like picking your favorite kid, you know, there's a cliche, <laughs> but, um, I grew up, I grew up where when it was football season, football was your favorite sport. Mm -hmm. And then the seasons would change and then basketball, well, ball, basketball is my favorite sport. Right. And then, and then baseball season the same way. So. I kind of love the seasons changing and the sports changing as well. That was one of the things why when I went from the NBA and the Pelicans to ESPN was I could get back to doing multiple sports as the mm. seasons change. And so yeah. I, pl I played more baseball than anything else. I played all three, you know, high school level stuff. Let's be, you know, honest here. Uh, 
but you know, so I love the romanticism of baseball on the mm-hmm. radio. Um, it's, it's speaks to me in a certain way, but yet is there anything better than an sec football Saturday? I mean, yeah. come on, the whole day is a carnival. And so mm-hmm. you get to be a part of that. And then I've, I've been blessed enough to call basketball at the highest level, whether it be NBA stuff or, you know, doing a game at Cameron indoor and coach K's last season, or mm. God forbid, I'd say something nice about Lawrence, Kansas, but <laughs> Allen Fieldhouse is one of the cathedrals of college basketball. So you can't get, ha- you can't help but get wrapped up in that or, you know, what, what, what's not better than a night at Madison square garden. I mean, even though the Knicks stink, but it's still the garden. So um, all those things kind of play into my favorites or my, my, the, the, my favorite things of the job. So it's less about favorite sport. It's more about being in the moment and enjoying kind of that special thing about that particular sport and their fans. I'm a, I'm a big baseball guy. Um, you just called a combined no hitter. What is, what is your, um, how do you handle that (laughs) in the booth on the call? Cause I'm, I'm sitting at, at, at games and I see like at the TV flashes, like he's perfect through six. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, don't right. do that. So that obviously started to come up mm-hmm. at Yankee stadium. Um, and when you've never done a no hitter before, you don't really know how to do it. Yeah. It was funny. I, I ran into Dave O'Brien, uh, who's a national guy. He does the Red Sox too. I saw him this past Monday and he goes, I've done nine of them. I said, nine. Whew. Like, okay. I said, well, I didn't know what to do other than as the game was winding down, just take those notes and those stats and all that and just throw them in the can and really try and dial in on describing exactly what's happening on the field. Mm-hmm. Nothing else matters except for kind of what you're watching at that moment. And I did the game with Tim Kirchin, who's like a walking baseball encyclopedia. So not only is he one of the most kindest, uh, nicest people on the planet, you know, he's the easiest guy to work with because you can go, Hey, Tim, you know, uh, backup second baseman, Chicago Cubs, 1973. And then, you know, he knows. So it's wow. just eight stupid. minutes but later, anyway. you've gotten that backstory about, uh, how he made it to the majors and you're like, all right, Tim, I just need the name. I didn't need, I didn't <laughs> right. need the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's now two outs, Tim. We got to keep going. You know? <laughs> no, but he, he has great mechanics, so he knows mm. exactly when to get in and get out. But so the game, there's no hitters progressing. It's a combined no hitter. So it's not quite as special as kind of the old fashioned mm-hmm. one guy goes out and, you know, gives us a little Billy Chapel, one of those things. Um, I can't believe I just referenced that movie. Everybody <laughs> hates that movie, but I love for love of the game. Just it, it's a great movie. The clear yeah. the mechanism is one of the coolest, like opening scenes. Fantastic. Yes. And Vince Scully on the, on the, on the broadcast, it's all good. But anyway, um, to your point about don't say that there's a no hitter going on. I also firmly believe and have an awareness that I have absolutely nothing to do with what's going on in the field. (laughs) And so I think, and Tim and I talked about this and he made sure that I was on the same page as him. I think they were paying us to tell fans what were going on. So I can't believe that if somebody tuned in like in the seventh or whatever, and I'm going by this old baseball rule of like, you don't mention that a no hitter is going on that wouldn't that be a disservice to the listener and kind of not my job to, to, to not say that, Hey, there hasn't been a hit yet. Right. Stay Mm -hmm. here. This could be really special. So, yeah, I mean, I I wasn't shy about saying we had a no hitter in progress and, and working our way through that. So, 
it was one of those deals where you get to the end of it and you go, holy crap, I just did a no hitter. I hope I did it right. You know, you (laughs) don't really know. Um, But man, to check that box was pretty, pretty darn cool. And at Yankee Stadium. Not bad. bad. Man, listen, man, you, you mentioned some very iconic venues. Our final question for you, Sean, you're now coming to an iconic venue in the swamp. I gotta ask, have you had a chance to call a game in the swamp? And if you haven't, how much are you looking forward to that? Given the history of this place? I have not. And as many places I've been, I can't believe it. You know, I mean, during this process, I was like, Oh, surely I've been to Gainesville before. No, I had never been to Gainesville. So the first time I stepped foot in Gainesville is last week to interview for this job. So Anytime that I had Florida was always Florida was at somewhere else. Um, yeah. So I, I touched the Gators, but yet never got to call a game in the swamp, which maybe the timing, whatever. Um, but man, when I pulled up, don't think I didn't have the hairs on my arm standing up a little bit. <laughs> and don't think I wasn't thinking about what that place is going to feel and sound like on September the 3rd. Um, got to go up and, and look around in that, in that booth and you look out and, and, you're like, okay, <laughs> and a lot of fun has happened here. And I know the legend. I just want to be a part of it now. So giddy up, let's go. It's open air. It's, you know, bring the heat, bring the humidity, roll it out. I, I can't wait. You know, all the stadiums have something special now before the team comes out. Yeah. That's the moment I, I, I will be excited about tailgating that day. I'll be excited about, as I mentioned, going down on the field and watching guys warm up. But man, those moments before that video rolls and and everything else and um, here come the Gators! <laughs> I'm ready. That's the moment <laughs> I'm looking forward to really right now. And, and you get a good one. No tune up. It, it's uh, reigning Pac-12 champions. Yeah. Uh, I think their first Who trip scheduled to Gaines this. <laughs> ah, your new boss. They did it for you. It was your new boss. Did it. <laughs> Boy, somebody asked me about you know. Billy Napier and the start of his era. Now I'm like, well, yeah, well, great. Utah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> this could go really well. No, I think, I think it does speak to some of the patience that we're all going to have to have here and letting him get his team under, mm-hmm. uh, under him and, and, and their legs going. Um, it's just not an easy one to do against Utah. I mean, for me as a broadcast for us as fans. Wow. Okay. Marquee, yeah. marquee matchup here to start the season. But if you're looking to ease into things, Utah is not the ease into kind of an opponent. It's not a north south easterly tech state uh, that you would get in, in week one. Uh, <laughs> certainly not. But uh, hey, you're gonna you're gonna get a great test week one. See where you're at, and uh, yeah. it should be. I think because of the matchup, because of a first year head coach under the lights, I think you're gonna get pretty close to what they you know they always build the ninety thousand in the swamp. I think we should get pretty close to that. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited, and you know the other crazy thing, especially based on my schedule the last few years. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think seven of the first eight football games are either at home or at Jacksonville. Yep. So I don't think there's a road game to be had other than is it Tennessee? Maybe at Tennessee week yep. three. Yeah. And then me and Nick are we for Nashville? Uh, we always look forward to that trip. Love Nashville. <laughs> Nashville's kind of the new hot place to go, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then the best part is 2023. We get to go to Utah. Yeah. And that'll be. Uh, That'll be the fun trip. You is know, that Provo? Uh, no, Salt Lake City. Salt Lake yeah. City. What's Provo? Yep. Is that Utah so, State? I'm going to get in trouble now. <laughs> no, uh, Utah's in Salt Lake City, BYU and Provo. BYU. Um, 
go a day early and go up to Park City. Mm. Just trust me on this one. About 30 minutes outside of Salt Lake City. It's perfect. Well, listen, we're going to get a lot of knowledge and tips from you for years to come, Sean. Uh, We really appreciate the time. Uh, So happy that you got the job. Congratulations. And we look forward to working with you, bud. Thanks. Um, You know, I'm moving here in a couple of weeks down Mm -hmm. to Gainesville. I'll probably have, you know, some kind of a place for my helmets. I'm, I'm, I'm in need of something like what's behind you right now (laughs) for my collection here. Yeah, Come I, over here. Freddie's got you covered. Yeah. Freddie, <laughs> Freddie, Freddie, Freddie or Steve, one of the two will have you. Yeah. yeah. So there's gotta be one laying around that nobody's using anymore that perhaps I can, I can add to the wall here. Yeah. So. Th- there's one over here that has Jim McElwain's signature that they scrubbed off. Maybe you can have that one. <laughs> I can't imagine why someone would scrub that off. There is one helmet <laughs> up top there and it's there. Cause that's where my daughter went to school. But uh, in light of my new South job, Carolina, uh, no, it's, well, let's just say it's, it's, it's of another sec school, um, that will be happily replaced by a new <laughs> part of my collection. That's awesome, yes. man. Well, yep. listen, Sean, we appreciate you uh, so much, man. Good luck with the move and, and settling in and, uh, let us know if we can help at any point, man. Great, man. It was a real pleasure and an honor to be with you guys today. I look forward to doing this again. Thank awesome. You, Sean. Sean Kelly, uh, new voice of the Gators. We're going to jump to this break. We'll come back on the other side and wrap things up on the Gators Online Podcast. Looking for more reasons to celebrate? We have them here at Celebration Point. Enjoy some of the newest additions to our already celebratory lineup, like Dave & Buster's, Le Macaron, and Prime & Pearl. There's always a reason to celebrate. Join us anytime for any occasion. Celebration Point, where Gators come to celebrate. Welcome back into the Gators Online Podcast. Appreciate Sean Kelly for joining us in the last segment. Great to hear from him and get to know him a little bit. And obviously sounds like this is a kind of a destination spot for him and uh, kind of encompasses everything that he's done in his career. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting to me because, you know, uh, we don't really hear the broadcast, but we see on Twitter yeah. uh, or on the message board how, you know, the disdain for certain people that do it. And I think it's a hard job, you know, because like he said, you're kind of parachuting in to the middle of a journey. There's no way a guy doing a national gig is going to know as much about the team that he's covering as the fans. Yeah, or, or McHubert. Or, or McHubert. Um, so I think he's, you know, while that is cool because you get to go to uh, a bunch of destinations and a bunch of, you know, like he said, the cathedrals and these places. You're in a tough um, spot. You're in a tough spot because you're you're, you're kind of getting, you know, uh, like he said, parachuting in and trying you know to figure something out. Like you've, got, you. you've got five days to figure figure out this team and and, and make an impact on, on their that little part of their season. Uh, I think he's really looking forward to um you know kind of interwining into the fabric of gator nation and being a part of it yeah and he's obviously served over a decade as uh, the voice of the new orleans pelicans but as he said being the voice of an nba team and all that goes into all those games and it's like it doesn't carry the same weight as an sec football game in the swamp which crazy that he's hasn't covered that um Mm. so gonna be cool for him to kind of get that experience and, and just good timing with the start of the Billy Napier era, start of the Todd Golden era, um, and everything that, that that entails. So hope you guys enjoyed that interview. And I know you guys enjoyed the news on Monday, as we mentioned in the opening segment from TJ Searcy, committed to the Gators. And I, I think Nick, with that pledge, um, just kind of like a reminder, like, don't freak out. Like, <laughs> like 
you're going to take some wins, you're going to take some losses, but like, let's not act like the staff is like incompetent or that they did not get this job, you know, by mistake. They were brought here because they've got some folks that know how to recruit. They've got history as recruiters. And it was no mistake that Florida basically emptied its commitment list and then still finished with a top 20 class and some surprises in the last cycle. What are they going to be able to do with the full recruiting cycle? Mm -hmm. Um, How many more surprises do they have up their sleeve? Nobody saw this pledge coming. Everybody was writing them off, um, and they still haven't coached a game yet. How many more surprises do they have up their sleeve? Nobody saw James flipping back to Florida and turning down Kirby Smart, Nick Saban. Nobody saw Kamari Wilson coming to Georgia. Nobody saw, or, or excuse me, not going to Georgia. And nobody saw this this most recent pledge. So it, to me, it was like everyone's like got their list of the top targets for Florida in this class, and they have to get on this guy, this guy, this guy. I might miss on this guy. There are still some guys that are going to show up that we might not even know is on this staff's radar. They might be in for that we are counting them out for. So just pump the brakes a little bit, folks. It's just so early. Um, And I think they did such an incredible job, like you just mentioned, with with Kamari and Shamar um, in that like what three week windows two, they had two no, week less window? than two and a half weeks they had to get to know both of those kids and convince them to sign with Florida. I mean, mm-hmm. Shamar, I get because again, people might say, Hey, you guys are bringing up old news. No, these are relevant recruits that they landed that mm-hmm. shows what they're capable of in a um contentious recruitment when you're trying to go up against Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. So, but Shamar, I get maybe a little bit easier to build that relationship because he had been committed to Florida, but. Kamari was like, and the IMG curse, the IMG curse. I mean, like one swoop. You, uh, what do they, what do they say? Stuff Kirby in a locker, (laughs) stuff Kirby in a locker and broke the IMG curse. So, um, look, there's a lot, I I think of potential out there. Um, they're, they're still going to, to miss on some kids moving forward that Mm -hmm. fans are probably going to want them to land, but they're going to land some kids too. They're going to land one potentially on Friday as Eugene Wilson, is announcing his decision down to Florida and Texas A&M, an in-state kid, top 50 prospect uh, by on three sports. And um, you add him to the class, that's two straight top 50 pledges mm-hmm. in a week. Sounds messy, Nick. <laughs> um, he's a silky smooth, uh, silky smooth Ooh. receiver, um, really good route running, um, good size. And, and, and like you said, uh, taking care of the state from Tampa, from Gaither high school in Tampa. Um, that's an area, Tampa, Polk County, Lakeland, Jacksonville, Jacksonville, uh, need Miami. You, need you to get down to Broward County. <laughs> uh, I know, I know there's some dudes in Broward County, but I think you need to get back to, um, and you're not going to get every kid. Like, listen, Nick Saban's going to come in and get some kids from Florida. That's yeah. just going to happen. Um, there's too Ohio much talent. State is, there's Clemson too much is. talent in the state of Florida for the the big three schools to take. Florida can't get all of them. There's but only you, so many scholarships, Nick. You need to get your fair share of those guys, yeah. and, and, and you need to get back to at least be. I think the problem is that Florida wasn't even in the race for some yeah. guys in the past. So you need to at least get in the race and not just be a hat on the table. Although, unfortunately. They've gotten themselves in the mix for so many kids that now there's a lot that are putting Florida as a hat on the table when fans know that that kid's not coming. And someone asked on our message board Wednesday, 
why is DJ Moore, the five-star quarterback, putting Florida as a hat on the table when clearly he's not coming to UF? And I just hit him with the the Batman gif. Some men want to watch the world burn. <laughs> they just want to stick it to the fan bases. Um, but Florida will end up, you know, with a quarterback. And I think that at this point, they're in position to to if they land their top targets, pull off some more surprises. They're going to at least have a top ten class. Um, you know, they've already put themselves in, in the top fifteen range, and again, still have a season to go. Um, now, and again, the results of that season could change things. And if they have a great year, that could help recruiting. If they have a bad year, that could still, you know, they could sell that on the trail. Like, hey, we need help. Um, so, but that is still to be you know, determine and play out. Um, one thing that is going to be for certain is that Ford is going to have the funds to be able to go out and recruit for this 2023 class. We saw uh, late last week, uh, first reported by Edgar Thompson from the Orlando Sentinel, that Florida has increased its football spending by nearly $5 million, including upping the recruiting budget by 55%. So for the fans that have long called for the Gators to invest more in recruiting, Billy Napier has gotten Scott Strickland and this administration on board, and, and that's happening now. Um, right now, the the increase that, that happened in football spending is $4.72 million. Um, that, that puts it up to $92 million. And now the recruiting budget is, is at $2 million, which is a 55% increase. Um, in October 2021, according to a report from 24-7 Sports, Florida's recruiting budget ranked 14th nationally at 1.27 million, more than 2 million behind uh, Georgia's nation-leading 3.6 million. Now, as Scott Strickland has made sure to point out several times, <laughs> uh, many the, people inside the UAA have made sure to point this the out. UAA's ownership of two private jets, um, a 3.3 million dollar jet, an 8.5 million dollar jet, um, and an aviation budget of 839,000 offsets a lot of recruiting travel costs that other schools have to pay because they don't have two private jets. Now, the fact that Florida is upping their budget by 55%, bringing it to $2 million, they're going to have all that extra money to play with, and they still don't have to pay for air travel. So that's going to make a difference. Hopefully. It has to. <laughs> Hopefully. it uh, It's made a difference for Georgia. Still need that nil money is what we is is what you need. I think the game is completely changing. Um, but yeah, you need money for everything, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> money makes the world go around. Um, you need money for uh, assistant coaches as well, which you were able to. Uh, you got to dig into that report. I I, I I don't know what I was doing that day, but I got out of it. Nick, Nick you you got to go through this contract, buddy. Ten contracts, ten separate contracts. Listen, They're all the same, really. You um, come. Listen, you got lawyers in your family. You. You can do it. Yeah. It, um, You're better at it than me. The, the interesting thing I thought was, um, you know, Todd Grantham was the first million-dollar coordinator of Florida, and that just happened, I think, three years ago when he yeah. when he re-upped or got his, got his contract. Um, now there's three. Now there's three. <laughs> All three coordinators, so the two co-defensive coordinators, um, Spence and Tony, um, along with Rob Sale, the offensive coordinator, as much as he is an offensive coordinator, even though it's, it's Billy's offense, um, all three coordinators are making a million dollars. Corey Raymond coming in at what was it, seven fifty? I need to pull, yeah. pull the report up. The only one that surprised me was was uh, Mark Hockey. Um, 
making seven hundred thousand. Um, and I thought that was interesting because like Mickey Marotti makes made eight hundred last year, and he's someone who's been doing it for twenty plus years. Um, so Mark Hockey will be one of the uh, highest paid strength coaches in the entire country. Um, young guy, uh, I, I do think it, a lot of that goes to the strength coach has so much to do with your team. There's so much time during the year where the coaches can't be doing stuff with the team and you have to rely on your strength coach. So you got to compensate them has to be somebody you trust and it has to be somebody you compensate. Um, Another interesting thing is that they're not using the full budget. Uh, You know, you had seven and a half million dollars that Billy could use. And and there's guys like all, all these are, all these guys are on two year contracts. So somebody like, um, a Darnell Stapleton who's younger, not making as much, um, could be in line for a raise. And, and the same thing with Mike Peterson. When Christian Robinson first got to Florida, he was making eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, I think Gervon Dexter has more money in NIL deals than Christian Robinson was making as a coach now. Um, that's a whole nother interesting part that I'm waiting to get to see. Like when what happens when uh the you know, like the offensive line coach tells like the left tackle to do something and he's like, Hey man, I make more than you do. You're not gonna Tell me to run this well, gas. Well, they're not going to have that problem at Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not Florida. No, not this year. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it speaks to the investment that yeah. uh, we've, we've seen Scott Strickland, this administration mm-hmm. decide to give Billy Napier and his staff. And it's something that it, it wasn't just, Hey, open the checkbook and r- write whatever you need. Like he brought a very detailed plan and, and honestly, convince them Mm -hmm. that you need to do this for the betterment of your football program. And this is what it's going to take for us as a staff to compete with the Georgias and the Alabamas and some of the heavy hitters. And and I talked to an assistant coach um, in the big 10 and he said, how did Billy get so many people in the recruiting office off the field staff? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he said, we've been trying to get two extra for five years and we can't get two extra people on staff. I'm like, well, he got like, 48 plus those two <laughs> yeah. um, added on staff. And, and it, I'm sure if Dan Mullen had asked, you know, if he had laid out a plan, had a he reason, could have gotten yeah. it and had a reason. But it, it, I think Scott has said that and he said it on our podcast. It wasn't Billy saying, it, hey, this is what I want. Sure, cool. Or here's, to here's your point, it check. wasn't like Dan asked for something staffing and didn't get it, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, if, or if he did and didn't get it, he clearly didn't show them or convince Why? them that this needs to happen. Um, and that goes back to, to having that history, having that, that uh, detailed plan that some of the things that he's picked up from his time with Nick Saban, from his time with Dabo Sweeney and some of his other stops that have gone into uh, this organization that he's building here. And um, so many facets that go into it. Um, and right now I think recruiting is at the forefront, but before you know it, we're going to be off for SEC media days. And um, that's going to be exciting. Nick and I will not be with you guys next week. Next week? Yeah, we will be. No, next week. No, two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. It's the 20th, 13 days from today. Oh, man. That's uh, that's exciting. I, 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 do you like it in Atlanta? Or you, you prefer the Hoover spot? I am done with Hoover. You're done. I'm done with Hoover. Um, uh, Atlanta all day. It's an easier drive to get to Atlanta. Um, the college football hall of fame is a really cool spot, um, to go. I think the setup for us is much better in Hoover. Um, but, uh, I've done the SC tournament there a couple of times. Can we many media days? Are you, are you open to SEC media days 
taking some different locations and yeah, destinations. Yeah, like permanently in Nashville. <laughs> permanently in Nashville. <laughs> I, I think if it was up to you, if you were the SEC commissioner, you would make everything in Let's Nashville. Let's move the University of Florida to Nashville. <laughs> you would definitely move the league office yes. to Nashville. Yeah. Birmingham, see you later. I, I would intern <laughs> for the SEC if that was the case. Um, if you guys can't tell, Nick's looking forward to the Vanderbilt trip. Oh, yeah. We've we've already mapped it out. Um, it actually might be our most expensive trip, but it will be one that we will not miss. We got to go back to get you that steak. You can order uh, it the right way I there. Will, I will order it the right way. That was right there on Broadway, too, wasn't Man, it? Listen, Broadway is calling my name. That'll be, that'll be some fun times. Obviously, you guys are going to have a lot of fun times with Sean Kelly. Appreciate him joining us this week, uh, going through what's been a whirlwind for him yeah. these past couple weeks and um i think he's looking forward to his move to gainesville but most importantly football season as i know all of you are as well for nick del Torre, i'm zach albaverde we'll be back next week with the gators online podcast